Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Good morning and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. It is 11 o'clock in the a.m. on Sunday morning. Thank you so much for joining us. It is the 18th day of May 2014, and I'll be live here for the next hour. Joining me during the podcast will be the owner of Mountain Air Organic Beds. We're going to talk about the the benefits of organic and some of the toxic material that might be in your mattress. So it should be an excellent interview, fantastic time, and um, seems like a, a wonderful, wonderful person. So look forward to speaking with her, and um, I'm going to have some testimonials of the person that actually got me in touch with this with this lady and um, talking about her experience with the bed and um, how she came to this conclusion that that um that the bed was actually causing her uh some issues so um it should be a a very fantastic interview and we're just trying to get everything lined up so as live radio goes welcome to the um the ever-changing world of live radio so if you are listening to us on um liberty movement radio hello if you're listening to us on jrev radio streaming live hello there too or at least we hope we're live streaming. Let me see if we get the stream up here. Um, nope, it looks like the stream is not working, so you might be listening to this on a replay. So anyway, thank you so much for joining us this morning, and let's go ahead and talk about um, some of the things that we're going to get into this morning. Now, I did have some um, an interesting week, to say the least, and we're now approaching... A, uh, a point in, in my uh, my life that's going to be very interesting as far as moving from the inner city out to the suburbs or suburbia. And um, the reason I wanted to talk about this briefly is as we move through life, as we move through these changes, I, I think it's important for us all to realize that if we're going to be about change, then we actually need to start um, living the words that we preach. And that's what I'm trying to do. We're going to move out into a rural part of of Georgia and um, start, you know, a garden and try to get some solar panels and start to, um, start to live a little bit, I, I guess, self-sustainable. Because what really aggravates me about, um, about the armchair advocates or armchair activists is that they, they know all the solutions, especially on Facebook, they know all the solutions, but they never really implement it. And that, um, as the Mark Passio um, portion talks about when we're talking about natural law, um, things don't happen, um, change doesn't happen just because you wish for it to happen. You have to put forth effort to make it happen. So when we're talking about making changes in your life, making changes in your in your lifestyle and how you live and and how to make you know the world a better place as you see it. Remember, it, it starts with us, the individual, and then we have to make the change. And if each individual makes change throughout their own individual life, then the collective will change. Rather than the top-down philosophy that most people have, and I say most people because that's the way that they're kind of conditioned in the fact that they will use the uh, the weapon of the state or the the authority figure of the state, whether you're 
um, looking at the state as a um, as a mother figure, as the as the liberal uh, or leftist side would look at them as somebody that needs to be there to protect everyone, to to catch the people that fall. Or if you're looking at it from a, a male perspective um, of the right wing establishment and that um, that you know father government needs to protect us and we need to have to have war in order to have peace. So we're seeing how both of these both of these philosophies are are counterproductive to to change because you're utilizing the the weapon of the state and and the massive force of the state in order to coerce people into doing things that you believe that they should do not necessarily what the individual believes that they should do and so when we're talking about change you have to you have to change yourself you have to change your perspective you have to align your values um, and your belief systems together because it's okay to have a belief system but if you don't align your values and you don't push through all of the garbage and go ahead and make the effort to make a change, then um, then we're going to end up in the same place that we are now, and that's absolutely going nowhere. So let's talk about um, what my weekend was about yesterday. Um, yesterday I went to a um, a local event which was absolutely fantastic, and it was a stop the um, coercion and um, violence and incarceration here in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Uh, a, a ton of great speakers there, lots of lots of great talent. But what I what I saw that was the most powerful to me was um, there were a bunch of families there, and this was a, this was put on by um, by a reverend here locally, and um, it was great to see a semblance of community. Um, whether it was the, the 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 black community that came out, it was a, a predominantly um, black event. There were um, there were a bunch of different eclectic groups there, and and everybody there had a great message. One gentleman had a message about gang violence and 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 um, and senseless violence, and it was very very powerful. The gentleman was um, was dealing crack cocaine at uh, at age 18, I believe, and was shot in the neck and was paralyzed from the neck down. Um, over fifteen dollars. It was a fifteen dollar drug deal that went wrong. And he's been paralyzed ever since. And um, I'm going to get him on the show to talk about his experience and to talk about, you know, the solutions. But his um, his outlook on life was was very enlightening in the fact that he pushed through the the challenges that he had. He could have given up. He could have done all these things and felt sorry for himself. And then he finally just, you know, forgave the person that shot him and then moved forward with his life and started to started to realize that his his experience gives him a platform in order to speak to other people that are that are in situations that could possibly avoid his, his fate. And so it was very, very touching and powerful to to see people like that. You had people there that were talking about um you know, talking about abortion and and, and being very pro um very pro life and, and that was that was good seeing a bunch of different perspectives there. Um people that have that have had um experienced abortions and have talked about um, the the physical and and mental toll that it takes on you throughout your life, and it was um it's really it's really touching to see people open up to perfect strangers, and and that's what it's all about. We we have to remember that in this human experience together, that we have to open up and um and be as open and friendly as possible. Now I know that this is um this is something that sounds kind of preachy, but if we just push all of the political ideology aside, and I know it's very hard to divorce yourself from these things, 
And um, so what we're what we're running into is that um, you you have to divorce yourself from the ideology because if you divorce yourself from that, what you're looking at is this: these are just people. We're we're just we're just people that um, that are interacting with one another. And it looks like that um, I, I don't think that our guest is going to be able to make it today, but that's okay. I was going to run the Lee Camp interview also. So, um, <clears throat> but what we were going to do is. Um, is try to push through all of your insecurities and look at these people as just people. You know, that's what I was watching last night. I was watching the mainstream media, and I was watching. Uh, I watched CNN. I watched um, Fox last night, and and everything on there was about race. And what's amazing to me is when I talk to my and when I talk to people, whether it's um, whether it's just people on the street, whether it's people, you know, that I'm friends with. Not a lot of us, I would say that there would be like 0.5% of the people I've ever run into have any kind of uh, of racial animosity towards one group or another. And and it just the media makes it seem like that everybody is in this is in this this fog of racism and everything's racist and 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 is this racist? Is the and I saw it this morning. Is the camel um from the um is the I know this is going to sound really bizarre, people, but stay with me. Is the camel? Oh, excuse me. Is, is the camel from the the Geico commercial? Is it racist? And I, I'm like, this is this is ridiculous. Like, how can a camel be racist? How can any of these things that 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 we run into on a day to day basis? How can how can they be racist? And and then I thought to myself, well, that's what it's all about, because that's what galvanizes the public. That's what makes you tune in, because something has to be controversial in order for us to pay attention. And I think that that's really silly. Like, why does it have to be controversial? Why can't it just be about moving forward with society? And I know that sounded like a, a very socialist thing to say, but no, no, no. Think about it from just a dry uh, philosophical perspective. Why do we have to... Why do we have to have the, the fervor and the emotion attached to information? And that's, that's where we really need to go is divorcing ourselves from the ideology. Whether you're a libertarian, conservative, whether you're a, a socialist, whether you're a, a, a Maoist communist, whether you're a Marxist communist, it doesn't really matter. I mean obviously the end goal is what we want. You know, Everybody has their own end goal in mind of their own perfect society, the utopia that they wish. But the problem is, is that we're in a system now that is completely corrupt. It's completely tainted, and we have no methodology to change it. And what I mean by that is that everybody says, well, just get out and vote. Well, you know, we saw the study that came out from Princeton a week or so ago that said that we live in an oligarchy and that your voice has a 0.01% chance of making a difference. So we have no methodology to vote. We have no way to, to correct the system by legal means. So what do we do? Well, you we have to start withdrawing from the system. You have to start getting other people to withdraw from the system. And you have to say no to the propaganda. You have to say no to the, the racial division talking points. You have to say no to all of these things because we have serious issues. We have serious economic issues, which they're trying to distract us from. Uh, with our currency, we have a, a very challenging situation around the world with what our foreign policy has been, not only militarily but financially as well. We have gone around and, and signed on many nations to debt, and, and as my friend Alan talked about 
last week, and as Josh Wiley talked about as well, around the world, we are seen as a very evil empire. Now, here in America, you would perceive that as completely different because we have a high-tech propaganda machine that rolls through and and talks to us like we're little children and and reaffirms us that everything is okay and that everything that that daddy government is doing is just fine or everything that mommy government is doing is just fine. And if we just did a little more, if we just did a little more on the side of government, that we could fix all this stuff. And it's the smoke and mirrors. it's It's the big distraction. We can't fix it. It's unfixable. There's too much money in politics. We have to get the money out of politics. And I go back to what Rick Stragonboard said on here many, many times, pushing for a constitutional amendment. If we want to do something like that, that has to be a grassroots movement that never gets co-opted. And I just find that very, very hard to believe that we could ever organize in that fashion. But I would support him 100%. I would get out and lobby for it if I had to because that's one of the ways that we can make change is taking the money out of politics. I I did a speech yesterday at the event, and I talked about the Federal Reserve System and how the Federal Reserve has destroyed the dollar value, has destroyed our currency, has destroyed our our methodology for living and sustaining life and sustaining all of these different things that that the American people – were, were told was what America was about. I remember um, in, the, in the 1950s and 60s, the propaganda was pushed towards the American people and the fact that you need to save money. You need to save. Where is that now? The president doesn't say that now. I thought he's supposed to be the quote-unquote, if you want to look at it from this perspective psychologically, if he's supposed to be the dad of the nation, he's supposed to tell the people that are you know the, the I, I guess, um, the, the distracted masses – what they need to be doing, and, and Bush was the same way. Neither one of these presidents has ever told the American public to save. That used to be a, a resounding value here in the United States was to save your money, not invest in some stock market, not invest in some casino that's rigged. And I would point everybody to the interview that uh, Richard Grove did on Peace Revolution with the CEO of Overstock.com, and they get into the history of the Wall Street bankers, the history of Wall Street in general, And then they talk about how Wall Street runs today, and it is a casino. It is not there to to substantiate your wealth. It's there to make the rich richer. So what do we do? Well, you have to start moving back to older values in this nation. And the older values of this nation were self-reliance, self-sustainability, and and self-worth. And what does that mean? That means that we have to move to principles like voluntarism. Voluntary exchange between individuals, no coercion, no violence, no threat of using the state against me. That's really it's, – it, it is so immoral I can't even begin to explain to you how immoral that is. Taxation is immoral. Even if you're, if you're a fundamentalist Christian, taxation should be at the top of your list of things that are immoral because it's theft. Just because they take your money and give it to somebody else doesn't mean it's not theft. It is theft. Thou shalt not steal. It's right there. So – Pushing past the ideology and looking at the situation for what it is. Taxation is theft. Yes. Can we reverse that? Absolutely not. Not right now. I'm a realist. I understand way where, we are, where we are in society. I understand where people are in their 15,000 hours of public education. It's just not going to happen. It's just not. So we're conditioned to have all of these predetermined belief systems, and when we challenge them or somebody challenges them, we get emotional because it's an emotional construct that we've created. You've created your reality emotionally. 
You haven't created your reality over logic and grammar and evaluation and understanding and enlightenment and utilizing those tools to create a – to say that this is garbage, this is truth, and live in truth. Live in truth, no matter which part of the ideological spectrum it lies. You know, that's one of the things that I, I, I get very frustrated with is in my search for truth, I find that some of the ideas that I held dear are actually probably not valid. So that's very painful to me, but you have to accept that and then move forward and then move for something else. Reach for the next branch that's there. Go to grab the next branch and then grab the next branch. And then as we learn with this process, we can share our information with other, with other people and be accepting of the information, people. Be accepting of it. You know, I make fun of Karen Hudes all the time because she talks about how she believes the Vatican is a bunch of conehead aliens. It could be. It could possibly be. And I dismiss that because I think that the probability is very low. But once again, I should be more receptive to that idea and go and disprove it myself rather than jumping on some kind of bandwagon and saying that, no, 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 that's impossible because it challenges my already predetermined belief system of volunteerism, and it challenges my other predetermined belief system that there are no aliens among us. Am I saying that there can never be an alien group, another intelligent life in this universe? Absolutely not. That would be very, that would be very myopic of me to say that because – with the vastness of the universe, with all of these different planets that they're discovering, to sit here and, and to preach to somebody that, um, that we're alone is, is kind of is silly. And number two, we can't see everything in the visible spectrum. So we might even have people or objects or, or, or other beings living with us currently, interacting with us even through some kind of magnetic field that we don't even know about. That's what I would assume a ghost is, and I don't, I've never given people my – my take on that, but that's what I would assume a ghost is. Since it gives off electromagnetic frequency, since they do all of these things that can be, that can be actually documented, it, it really does beg the question of when we're in this body of molecules, of cells, of, of different parts, whether it's your organs, your eyes, your ears, what are these things? I think that's the fundamental question. What are we really? Are we energy? Are we matter? Can we be created, destroyed? What is this? What, 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 kind of, what kind of world are we in currently, and how can, we, how can we harness the information that we have about this world to make it better? Now, I do know this. I do know that people that have studied the occult, they understand to a, to a greater extent the knowledge base of things like frequency and, and things like manipulation – and so when we're looking at things like this, to sit here and, and once again dismiss the idea of a conspiratorial dumbing down of a population or a conspiratorial manipulation of a population should be absolutely silly because if you look back through history, that's what empires do. That's what people have done. That's what shamans have done since the ancient – I mean since 2,000 years ago. Tracking the, tracking the solar system, tracking the, the alignment of the stars, tracking you know, solar and lunar eclipses, and then utilizing the knowledge that they have to their advantage and manipulating the masses with that. 
So I guess the over, overarching theme of what I'm saying about here is to question everything that you know and don't be so, don't be so resistant to, to information. Be sure to check all sides of the story because if you're getting one side of the story, you might not be getting the full picture. And once you see the full picture, maybe it's going to be the, the side that you believed and you can validate that and then you can support that with factual information. Or maybe it's going to be the opposite of what you believed in the beginning. And you can support that with factual information and justify it to yourself that, hey, maybe I was wrong. And I think that that's a big step for humankind is that we're going to have to get past this idea that we have to be right all the time. The world is not a place of, of, a, of a point scoring system where every time that you're right, you get a point. And that's kind of what I see on, on social media and when I interact with people. It's like when, when they're trying to have a conversation with you, it's that they have to score more points than you do in the, in the conversation, especially when you're talking about whether it's a religion, um, philosophy, psychology, um, especially religion and politics. It's like they have to score more points. It can't be a conversation between here are the good points of this, here are the bad points. It's that if I can put more good points on the table, then I win the debate shouldn't be about winning the debate. It should be about expanding your knowledge base and moving yourself forward ideologically and sociologically so that we can have a better impact on society and we can be more informed about the decisions we make, whether they're just little decisions and transactions on a day-to-day -day basis, not falling for the point-of-purchase marketing that sits right there by the cash register knowing that you're going to sit there for 45 seconds and you're probably going to look around, so you're going to look at the trashy magazines. You're going to turn around and look at the candy that's all laced with, with additives and dyes and, and, and sugars and, and things that are just typically not good for you. And you would have never purchased it unless you were sitting in that line for two minutes. And then you have the impulse purchase of just, well, I'll just, yeah, maybe I want a Snickers. I didn't really come in for a Snickers, but yeah, maybe I want one. So I'll grab one. Yeah, it satisfies. So that's where we're at currently in a society. A society of people that are running on impulse rather than on factual information, knowledge, and then validating that knowledge with research and understanding, whether it's through studying the ancient philosophers, whether it's through your own uh, religious experience, whether it's through moving your, your consciousness forward, I guess. Yeah, my friend asked me last night, my friend... Uh, was over here hanging out, and he asked me last night, he said, what do, you, what do you think the greater purpose is here? What do you think the greater purpose of humanity is? I said, I think the, greater, the greatest purpose and the reason that we're on this plane, the reason that we exist, is to gather information, is to lower your entropy. And I kind of paired that with Thomas Campbell's idea of lowering entropy. And when you lower entropy, what you're doing is you're adding more information into the decision space. The way that he describes the decision space, and I really can't wait to talk to him again because I want to get into this. The decision space is already formulated with all these different, um, these different choices that you can make, whether, um, and then the consequence behind the choice. So the more entropy you have or the lower entropy you have, the bigger your decision space. The more informed you are, the more knowledge that you have the bigger your, your consequence, I guess, would be of something going your way, if that makes sense, or the bigger reaction of something going your way. It mitigates the, the, the harmful things that can happen to you. 
Because if you think about it this way, if you if you turn a two-year-old loose that doesn't have any knowledge, that doesn't have any wisdom, you turn a two-year-old loose in, in a park with a bunch of rusty nails in it, odds are it's going to land on a rusty nail, and that's just the, that's just the facts. But if you turn a, a 40-year-old loose in, in a park with rusty nails, they know that those are dangerous, and they're going to take their time, and they're probably going to remove themselves from the situation without even being harmed. So – those are the two analogies that I would say that we're looking at here in the fact that most of the public acts like the two-year-old in, in the park with a bunch of rusty nails. They just kind of go through life, and whatever happens to them, they just react to it, and then they move forward. There's not a lot of planning that goes on. There's not a lot of, of sharing, and it looks like that um, – I think we've got our guests lined up here. Actually, let me go to a um, – uh, I think – oh, I've got my um, I've got my friend on the line. I'm so sorry, Tia. I think I, I've had you on the line for quite some time. I have for 22 minutes. I didn't even see you on there, so I do apologize for that. Um, let me see if I can pull our guest up really quick, and um, we're going to go to a little bit of a break. What should we play? Ah, interesting. I have a clip here on um, – yeah, we're just going to play this clip, and um, we'll be back on the backside. Once again, thank you so much for listening and tuning in this morning at 11 o'clock. Um, for those of you that um, missed church to, to share time with me and to listen to me ramble and bamble abound about um, the universe and, and where I think that we should go from a societal standpoint, um, thank you so much for spending the time with me this morning. So here is a clip, um, ironically, on, uh, on mind control um, done by your U.S. government for – the better part of the 1960s, and then they quote-unquote canceled the project, but it still goes on today, and I, I'm pretty sure that we can all admit to that, that we are, um, once again, you're under some semblance of mind control, and just study what the word means, and to study the meaning of mind control, study the meaning that they've put out to the public of what they're trying to accomplish by, um, by controlling the narrative, controlling memes, and um, it's not some tinfoil hat ideology it is um, mind control through propaganda and through controlling the narrative so here is a clip and we're going to try to get the uh, guests set up on the back side so thank you for listening everyone mind sciences or the study of human behavior in relation to the mind is the newest of all the arts it's less than 100 years old and it is by far the, the one that is most cloaked in secrecy. The origins of psychological warfare uh, were in Nazi Germany. And in the Nazi ideology, they had something that was called Weltanschauungkrieg, which means worldview warfare. The idea for them was imposing the Nazi worldview on the countries that they had occupied. The Americans picked up this idea, created an American version of it, and called that psychological warfare. Warfare. In trying to understand psychological warfare, and in trying to understand the American approach to the post-war efforts to control people's minds, both as individuals and on a mass scale, there's a lot of illusions about how that was done. Were Nazis involved in that process? Yes, they were. Are you paperclip? was a United States government-sanctioned CIA operation for the importation of Nazi and fascist scientists into the United States. Their statement was simply this. 
if we don't bring these people into this country and contain them, then our enemies, the Soviet Union, will get them. The first wave was to bring these scientists. There were 700 odd propulsion scientists. And then there were some 600 and some odd mind scientist people that they brought in. The CIA was given the responsibility of actually placing the individuals that had a project paperclip into the military industrial complex, including our colleges and universities. Mind control was a psychological warfare weapon or what Adolf Hitler regarded as the answer for taking over the entire planet. The name for the mind control research in this country was MKUltra. MK Ultra was one program, a series of programs that came out of the CIA to, to experiment with different types of mind control, using drugs, using electroshock, using insulin shock, and, and other techniques. I think that the goal for those people who planned the program was very straightforward. It was an attempt to figure out a way to interrogate people and to learn how to protect their own agents against control by others. If you put someone in a position of being disabled by not feeding them or not allowing them to sleep or overwhelming them with sound, if you use massive shock treatment and, and you give people massive doses of drugs such as PCP or mescaline or amphetamines or LSD, if you put them in periods of darkness where they can't predict from one minute to another what is going to happen next, so they're always dreading, there's no consistency to sort of what's going to happen, anybody can be put in a position of being open to brainwashing. Ewan Cameron was probably the foremost psychiatrist that I climbed in the 1950s. He was using high-tech sound techniques. He was using multiple kinds of loop recorders to force people to listen to recorded messages 24 hours a day for weeks on end to basically destroy digital thinking patterns. He injected the lysergic acid into the vein, vein and patted me on the shoulder and said, Now, there, lassie, we'll see you later. And I started to feel very frightened. Fright became a terror, and I sort of began throwing myself from one side of the room to the other. I didn't know what to do to stop this feeling. Felt like my bones were melting. That I was—I um, just didn't know who I was anymore. This is not just a break-in of people's homes. It's not just invasions of privacy by illegal wiretapping. This is uh, an invasion of a person's mind. But uh, that is about as uh, profound uh, an injury, except for the loss of life, that the government can impose. This was a, a post-Nazi program, if you will. It was a, uh, an Americanization. I've often made the statement, and I still make it flippantly, the Nazis didn't lose the war. They just had to move. Now it's 50 years later. Now they're much more clever, much more sophisticated. They have a lot more money to spend. His motor coordination was disrupted because of the compound's effect. Although his vision was not impaired, he found it difficult to focus his attention on the next objective. His physical actions were noticeably slower. He felt compelled to disobey his instructions. Did Sergeant Ditches give you any uh, instructions about what you were supposed to do tomorrow? Tomorrow? What is today? Thursday? Today's Thursday. Today's Thursday. Uh-huh. Well, 
They're one in the minds of the people. All right, there we go. So there's some mind control for everybody. Uh, I think that we have Joyce on the line with us. Joyce, do you have a do you have video? You can actually click the um, you can actually click the little icon in the bottom left hand corner that should look like a little camera with an X through it. If you do, there we go. Okay. All right, everybody. So um, thanks for listening to me ramble and bamble about uh, the first part of this um, first part of this show and. Um, Please welcome to the show Joyce Robertson of Mountain Air Organic Beds. Joyce, thank you so much for the time. Thank you, Jake. Now let's um, let's talk briefly about um, how you got into this. How you, how did you get into? Um, obviously, you're in the mattress industry. I was reading up on you a little bit. So let's talk about where this uh, idea and concept came from. Uh, yeah, uh, I used to be uh, you know a store manager for several different mattress chains from Dallas to Nashville to, you know, Northwest Arkansas is where I'm at. And um, I, I was really disheartened when people would come in and spend their hard-earned money on a mattress and they get it home, it doesn't feel good, mm-hmm. and they don't know what to do about it. And then, you know, there's some games that some of the mattress stores play on restocking fees where they're making profit off your pain, and that's not right. Mm-hmm. And the other problem is just the chemical smells. Uh, I'd have people come in, and, you know, just the smell of those toxic mattresses were making people sick. And so I did some research, and I said, you know, there's just got to be a better way. And I, I looked at polyurethane foam and memory foam, all, all these different types of mattresses, and found the best mattress is really one that's in a category all to themselves. It's called organic mattresses. Wow. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm actually one of those people that um, has the memory foam bed. But um, let's talk about um, specifically the the difference between organic and um, and some of these toxic mattresses, if we can. Talk about some of the chemicals that they add to it and, and why they had to add these chemicals uh, to the beds. Well, you know, synthetic is a lot cheaper to make than natural fibers. Sure. Natural fibers, you know, uh, have gone back all the way in history. And you know, there's a lot of different things people made beds out of in the old days. Mm-hmm. And I think the best mattress that, that has ever been made is one that's made of all-natural latex rubber. Okay. Because rubber is uh, so durable and it sleeps cool and um, it just lasts a long time and it's helpful and it has a, um, a bounce-back property to it so you don't get that wet sand feeling that you do with other mattresses. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, talking about why they make mattresses the way they have, you know, the Industrial Revolution and World War II changed everything. Sure. They started making synthetic mattresses out of things that I wouldn't want to sleep on. Um, polyurethane foam, you know, use urethane, and and it has um, you know a plethora of chemicals in it, such as uh, toluene and diethylcyanides. Mm-hmm. You know, names I can't even pronounce, so there's no <laughs> need to. <laughs> but what we found is uh, the reason that they were doing it is um, because it's it is cheaper to make. Sure. But also, cheaper has a price to pay. Mm-hmm. And the price you pay is that you're going to have to continue to replace that mattress every five to seven years is because of the way it's made. It's just not built to last a long time because of the synthetics and the density of the foams. And um, 
one thing I've learned all these years is that density equals longevity. Right. So the denser it is, the longer it lasts. But you did ask a really great question about the chemicals. Why, why do we get this way? And I'm glad you asked about that because back, if you go back to, you know, not even World War II, but later on mm-hmm. when, you know, people were smoking in bed. Oh, yes. There were a lot of fires. Sure. And being your, if your mattress was made from urethane, your mattress caught on fire pretty quickly because it's made from petroleum oil. Sure. So it's like sleeping on liquid gasoline. Is there anything on this planet that isn't made out of oil? This is like, this is the silliness. All right, I'm sorry, I, I had to get that in there. Go ahead. Yeah, that's 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 true. <laughs> well, our mattress is about the only thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. All right. Yeah. yeah. Or if you want to break away from the oil-ridden society that we all live in. Support her with her organic bed. So continue, Joyce. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, no, that's that's okay. Um, oil is um, is a is a precious resource. You know, because we need it for our automobiles. There's there's things we need it for, honestly. Mm-hmm. But I, I really feel that if you go with something like what we've done is we've made a mattress that's made sustainable. It's made from rubber. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's tapped from the Heba Bavaris trees, which are grown in the tropics. This rubber itself is sustainable. The trees go on to make more mattresses because we only tap the trees. We don't cut the trees down. And it removes carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, just billions of tons of that a year. And then the mattress is made with water, a little bit of sulfur, ammonia to keep it from coagulating, a little bit of ash, but not not toxic chemicals. You know, these are just natural things that we use. And then, you know, it's poured into a mold, mm-hmm. and it's baked like a cake, and it comes out in different densities, mm-hmm. you know, in sheets. And then we dry it, measure it for density. That way we know if it's firm, medium, or soft. Okay. Then we put it in your mattress. Awesome. Now, um, going back to what you were saying before you got on, before I so rudely interrupted you, you got on to the point of people smoking in bed and why these chemicals were added. Um, From my understanding, it was added to um, release some of the pressure from people suing the mattress companies for their mattress catching on fire for smoking in bed. Was that part of it? No, or was I just kind of misguided on that? I would say that's that's probably a misguided. Okay. I just think that um, the big old chemical companies are behind all this because they want to sell chemicals. Sure. And it, it, it was also, believe it or not, you know, the tobacco industry is a very powerful industry. Yeah. And what they did is they wanted to deflect the, uh, av- the attention off of them because mm. they were being sued left and right for making, you know, things that cause cancer. Sure and pushing them off on kids and such. Mm-hmm. And so the government said, uh, you know, you got to make these cigarettes safer. You can't advertise in your schools and all this. Well, they, they decided to, refl- to just deflect the attention off of them and started, you know, saying, well, what about all these people that burn up in their house fires? Uh, well, wow. the truth is, is that your bedding's going to catch on fire and you're going to die from the soot and the smell of the soot long before it really gets to the mattress. Wow. 
Well, that's very, very true. And I guess I got kind of it conflated. I couldn't remember if it was the big chemical companies or the big tobacco industry. But it seems like, and this isn't really conspiratology, people. It's just, you know, using using your mind to examine the situation. Who who are the big players? And, and once again, we always ask this, who stands to gain? And obviously, if big tobacco can deflect and say, well, look at look at these problems here with with the mattress and and so on and so forth, then they push the ball down to a different end, and they don't get the like you said the the bad stigma of their product is actually a cancer causing agent. So they push it on to somebody else, and then the chemical companies get to come in with their quote-unquote solution, and that is to put toxic chemicals on these mattresses, sell a bunch of chemicals, and as a byproduct, poison us. But they poison us slowly, so they really – I guess they can't really trace it back to the bedding. But um, that brings me to another point. We do have a caller on hold here that um, is one of your clients that actually – introduce the two of us uh, inadvertently and thank you for technology and social media otherwise Joyce and I would have never met and um, and now we have um, somebody that has a testimonial to how it's changed their life and how many different testimonials do you have or or what's the satisfaction level from you as, as an individual and it seems like you're you're similar uh, similar mind frame to myself and that if you see people getting wronged you don't just you don't just say oh well that stinks for them you try to find a way to to make the to make the situation correct and to and to sell something that's going to be both beneficial to somebody but you can also sell it with a good conscience and i think that that's one of the things that our society needs to bring back in the fact that we just need to have good business ethics and and that's in essence what it is is being ethical about the product that you're selling so how many different testimonials do you get or people that come back to you and what's the satisfaction level for you when they do come back and, and say that you, you change their sleep or change their life? Well, our satisfaction level is extremely high because of the durability of our product. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't have, you know, some problems with, with the, like off-gassing that you get with regular mattresses. So we don't get those people who have chemical sensitivities. And people get those sensitivities built up over time. Mm-hmm from their exposure to toxic chemicals without realizing it. Sure. Just because you can't see it in your mattress doesn't mean it's not there. Mm-hmm. But our, our our level is very high, and one other reason our level is so high is um, because our mattresses are layered, and you can change the feel of your mattress yourself. Oh, no way. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. You can unzip it and move your layers around and make it firmer on each side without having to use air or anything like that and pumps that make noise in the middle of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Or they can actually deflate. That actually happened to one of my friends that has that uh, sleep number bed or whatever. Um, Her side had a hole in it, and so there you go. So she woke up one morning and um, basically on the frame. So, yeah. <laughs> well, um, if you don't mind, um, can we um, can we pull up the call and, and talk to Tia about um, her yeah. situation? All right, great. Let me pull her. Oh, thanks. I've only had her on hold for forty minutes. So, oh, poor thing. Yeah, I know, and I apologize for profusely through Facebook, and that won't do any uh, do any justice to to my um, to my uh, putting her on hold. But Tia, um, you are on the air. Thank you so much for calling in and talking with us. Uh, thank thank you for having me, Jake. I appreciate the opportunity to share this information. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, okay, yeah, good. we got you loud and clear. Um, let's talk about how um, you came. Um, let's talk about first your investigative research and what you've learned, and and then how you came in contact with uh, with Miss Joyce here. Okay. Well, um, basically, what happened is uh, right before my wedding day, which was coming up on nine years ago. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband went out. Uh, we had an old mattress that was kind of saggy, and uh, mm-hmm. he thought uh, he was going to do something real fantastic, and he went out and bought one of those uh, memory foam beds. I'm not going to mention the name, sure. but uh, they're, they're very frequently advertised uh, in commercials where you see someone jumping up and down on a bed, and they've got the glass mm-hmm. of wine. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, I can, um, I can kind of picture them, and I'm sure the view, the listeners can as well. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah very heavily advertised. Um, they like to make a big deal about how satisfied their customers are. Sure. So we got this bed, and, uh, you know, the first thing we noticed was that it smelled really bad. And, of course, the, the salesperson had had told us, you know, told my husband to, to, you know, air it out first. But the smell took a long, long time to go away. The first thing we noticed was that <clears throat> it was comfortable like maybe the first couple of nights that we slept on it and then after that um it it just wasn't comfortable anymore and um I started to get sick and I didn't really understand like why I was getting sick it wasn't an immediate thing I didn't have like I wasn't one of these people that the first night I slept on it, I broke out in hives and couldn't breathe, you know, which some people with very strong chemical sensitivities do. Oh, that's crazy. It was a gradual thing. I just started not feeling good. Mm-hmm. And uh, right after we got married, I got pregnant. So I was sick all the time, but I attributed it to being pregnant. Sure. And, uh, you know, uh, over the years, I just... Because fatigue and um, just low energy, and it was always when I was in the house, I had this very low energy and just this feeling of malaise, and I started having widespread pain throughout my body. I was having um, hives and rashes that were unexplainable that I could not get relief from. I was having uh, joint pain, and uh, I went to a doctor. If I was having gastrological problems, I went to a doctor and was diagnosed with uh, inflammatory bowel disorder. I was diagnosed with um, fibromyalgia, anxiety, ADHD, all of these things um, with no real explanation. And I kept coming back to it's got to be something environmental. It's got to be something environmental. Sure. Well, then I had my son, um, who is seven and a half years old, and he has always slept with us. I mean, okay. I still am trying to break him of sleeping in the bed with us. Okay. Well, my son has autism and mm-hmm. ADHD, and it's you know it's been a challenge to to try and help this little kid recover. And, you know, we try to figure out what's causing. You know, we've done all kinds of blood tests and looked at his, you know, toxins and his toxin levels in his blood. And we've done uh, just about every therapy that's out there that you can think of for, for autism. We've done it ongoing. We, we've, you know, we even have a hyperbaric chamber in our house that we go in uh, all the time. And, you know, I mean, it just seems like there's always something that keeps pushing this little kid backwards. Sure. And my illness is just, you know, I, I would get, I would get a little bit of relief, and then the symptoms would come back, and I'd get a little bit of relief, and then the symptoms would come back. And I mean, I'm aggressively trying to attack this illness with everything I can think of, sure. uh, from nutrition to just everything you can imagine. Sure. And I one mean, morning, I got up. Get up and, and and make what 
make your child feel better. That's what any that's what any normal parent would do. Is just you know, absolutely. Try A couple of months ago, I got up, and I just for some reason. Because I just can't get over this, this, you know, the fibromyalgia and the fatigue and this, and the, and the skin rashes and all of this stuff. And uh, I got up one morning and I had an epiphany and I went, "What if it's the bed?" Mm-hmm. And so I sat down and I started. I googled, "Could my mattress be making me sick?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I mean, because it hey, was just like I, I was desperate, and and it was just like this thing, like a bug in the back of my head that said maybe it's the mattress. Because I mean, it's like sleeping in a pressure cooker. Sure. It's so hot. You get in the bed, and and it's advertised as oh, it hugs your curves and it relieves your pressure points, and da 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 da. And you get in this bed and you sink into it, and it is so hot. I wake up sweating. My husband's got like some kind of sleep apnea thing where he can't he he snores and snores and snores and and he goes <gasps> like he's trying to get his breath and I mean I'm I mean we've done sleep studies on him to try and find out why he's you know the snoring and and why you know like I'm worried about him I'm worried that one morning I mean, one of these nights he's just gonna not be able to get his breath and I'm gonna wake up and and my husband is gonna be dead beside me in the bed I mean this is. It's you know he would say I'm just being fearful, but the truth of the matter is there is something in my house that's making my family sick. So I started researching and I put in the name. You know I'm like memory foam. Could my memory foam mattress be making me sick? And I found Joyce's website. Wow. And a couple of other websites where you know there's just talking about how these chemicals. Um, you know, uh, and so I, I called her up because I was like, oh, my God, I, I got I to gotta talk. You, she can tell you. I mean, I was literally shaking. I was shaking, sitting by my computer, shaking because I'm like, oh, my God, this is it. This is what is making me sick. I'm so almost positive 100%. So I started talking to Joyce, and then, you know, I'm doing all this research, and what did I find out is that these chemicals that they put in the in the memory foam, because it's just basically a big bag of gas, sure. you know, that they put these things called, um, and, I, and I, I'm probably going to say it wrong, like polychlorinated bromides and PBDEs. Yeah, close enough. Did I do it right? Is that right? I don't know if I said it right. But um, these chemicals that they put on the on the mattresses have actually been linked to um, neurological problems, and I don't I don't think there's been any real studies done uh, as to whether or not um, these these specific chemicals. Um, could be causing autism, but there's definitely a link between these chemicals and neurological problems. And as a matter of fact, they did a study where they exposed um, mice, juvenile mice, to these PBDEs, and the mice started to dis- started to exhibit um, autism-like characteristics. That's crazy, and so and now this is this is a study out of um, California. Uh, UC Davis, I believe. Okay. So, um, you know, if it causes autism-like symptoms in, in juvenile mice and rats, then yeah. what is it doing to us, you know? Right, exactly. And, um, and I started thinking, this is criminal because nobody told me that that one of the byproducts of sleeping on this extremely expensive bed that's advertised as being one of the best 
most satisfying mattresses on the market mm-hmm. could possibly be that it could make me very, very sick. It could make my child very sick. And that it's, it's not just when you're sleeping on it, too. This is another thing that I was finding out about these mattresses is that the polyurethane foam starts to degrade after a period of time, and it, and it starts to leak out of the mattresses because the mattresses, are, they're, you know, they have like a fabric um, um, like a casing cover on them. So when these start to break down, it comes out and comes out of the mattress. It gets into the house as a dust. And they've they've actually tested household dust, and the, and these chemicals are in the household dust. It doesn't matter whether it's a memory foam mattress like the one I'm describing, or if it's a synthetic fiber mattress with a with a um, a lot of memory. You know, a lot of them are putting memory foam on on top of their you know their traditional sure. style mattresses, and so it's pretty much um, it's in all the and, and these chemicals are in all the mattresses unless you go organic. Or sleep in a hammock, or sleep on the floor. You're sleeping on these chemicals. That's so. You know, and and, and it, it kind of makes me furious because of a, a few um, not so intelligent people sleeping with cigarettes in there, um, catching their their mattress on fire. I mean, that's that to me. That that's the law of. Um, uh, survival of the fittest. <laughs> if you're taking yourself out with a cigarette in bed, then maybe you know that's you know that's your problem. But I don't feel like I should have to be poisoned because some people fell asleep with a cigarette in bed. You know, well, it, so because it, it, of the people that are smoking, because yeah. of big tobacco, because of the chemical industry, you know, I have to be poisoned. Well, it's the it's the microcosm of society and the fact that you. You have events like that, and so what's the solution? The solution is, well, we have to have a knee-jerk reaction to it, so we have to do this to everything, and never mind what it does to us um, physically. It's kind of like I attribute this same kind of thing to fluoride in the water. I've, I've read five different research studies that says that fluoride actually brain damages you at any level that it's put in the water, but we just we went back in the, in the American Dental Association and said, we need to add this to the water to protect the kids' teeth. And so everybody went with it, but nobody did a toxicology study. Nobody did any other research on it. They just went mm-hmm. with it. It seemed like a trendy thing to do. Joyce, you've mm-hmm. been non-head throughout this entire, entire um, basically, testimonial. And we've got about five minutes left. Is this pretty, pretty standard, what you're hearing here from, from Tia? Yeah, I do. I, I hear a, a lot about things like this. People are coming in all the time with uh, these issues and yeah i've researched a lot and tia's right there's research out there that's proving that a lot of our illnesses cancer neurological illnesses are caused uh, by our environmental exposures to toxic chemicals very much very little of it is really done through genetics sure but i mean if you just look at us um as a nation state compared to other nations around the world as one of the quote-unquote most developed nation, we have some of the highest cancer rates of any nation in the world, uh, whether it be breast cancer, um, childhood cancer, you know, so on and so forth. So if what Tia is saying is true, which it sounds like it, it is very plausible to be true, then maybe these children developing these cancers at early ages are sleeping on these beds that are causing these neurological disorders, and maybe it's a cumulative effect of not having a good environment to live in uh, outside the home, but also in combination with, with particles and particulates in the home 
that are causing these issues. And we got about four minutes left. So, Tia, uh, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to, to wrap up your testimonial, and then we'll go to Joyce, and then uh, we will, uh, we'll end the show. So, once again, thank you both for the time this morning. It's been a fabulous conversation. So, Tia, um, anything that you want to say to the, to the people out there listening that, that, that either run into sleep apnea or, or issues like that you're going through? I would just say that if you're in the market for a new bed, um, that you do your research and really ask yourself if, uh, if it's a risk that you're willing to take, whether it be for eight years or 20 years, sure. um, to sleep on something that's treated with these known um, chemicals of concern. Uh, these chemicals are, are very, you know, these, the chemicals that we're talking about were banned from, from uh, children's pajamas in the 70s. And the reason that they are putting them in, in mattresses and they put them in all the mattresses, I mean, even they even justify putting them in cribs by saying, oh, well, they're going to put a waterproof cover on the crib mattress, so it's okay. But these chemicals right. were banned from pajamas in the 70s, so they've been on the list of what's called chemicals of concern for, you know, 40 years now, and yet uh, they're, they're only increasing, in fact, and since 2007, they have increased the um, the, the level of uh, chemicals that they're putting in, into the mattresses. So I would just say, if you're in the market for a mattress, do your research. Do your research. I'd like to say, after you've done your research, buy your bed from Mountain Air Organics, but the truth of the matter is, um, whether you get it from Joyce or you get it from one of these other excellent uh, manufacturers of, of, of organic mattresses, that you seriously consider that as an investment. You're spending a third of your life sleeping in a bed. You might as well make it um, a, a good investment and get, get a bed that's safe. Well, thank you so much for, for the time and the testimonial. And as always, I, I appreciate you contributing. And, um, and thanks for introducing me to, to Joyce. And, uh, and thank you so much for the time this morning. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me. All right. Thanks, Tia. <laughs> All right, Miss Joyce. Um, you got a couple minutes left, and don't listen to the person that's going to say we have 60 seconds. So take all the time you need and um, just – just kind of bring it all to a head. Um, what the philosophy is behind your organization, and um, and why people should look at you, and then where they can find you. Okay. Well, our our philosophy is, you know, to make sure that you are educated, so you can make an intelligent, informed decision about your sleep surface. Mm -hmm. um, there's just so much research out there that has been made and good cases have been made and are coming before, you know, California, which kind of started a lot of this stuff. Um, and, and legislation is finally starting to change in our direction. But, you know, there are ways to make uh, things flame resistant to wool as a natural fire barrier. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one way. The other thing is everybody has sprinklers in their homes now, so why do we need these toxic chemicals in our mattress? There's just another reason there, and it has to be you know, financial. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, one other point I'd like to point out is that Tia was pregnant with her son. When you're pregnant, your baby is most vulnerable in your, as it's developing, uh, your lungs, its brains and everything. And it's so much more uh, susceptible to um, the toxic chemicals that you're, you're sleeping with. Mm -hmm. So please keep that in mind. If you have a, and already a um, immune system that's compromised, and even normal people 
you know, just don't expose yourself to that. You have the choice and you have the power of what you bring into your home. Think about it first. Think about those plastics. Think about those solvents. Think about, you know, uh, polyurethane foam in your furniture, things like that. You, you just need to take a step back and make a, an intelligent, informed decision that this is really what you want to do before you do it. Absolutely. And so where can people find your organization, the best way to get in contact with you to get either more information or to get um, to get pricing and, and to get them a organic bed? Well, we, we have a website. It's called Mountain Air Organic Beds. Mm-hmm. And you can call us. Uh, my phone number is 479-966-2262. And you can email natural beds at gmail.com and um, we'd love to hear with you from you we're really good about working with people to make sure that you get the right mattress and we guarantee that your your satisfaction uh, so there's no reason not to call us and not to work with us because we've found a way to make it a lot easier to buy a mattress and not worry about getting something that doesn't feel good either absolutely and um well, at least I know where I'm going to get my child's first mattress, so that's already been solved. So <laughs> I've got a I got a four month old. So that was one of the stipulations when I bought the mattress was it was right after I talked to Tia and I I took it out of the uh, the cover and everything and my wife and I went through and I'm like, look for the chemicals. What chemicals did they put on this thing? And unfortunately, we found that there was no chemicals added, so that made me feel good. But, you know, taking it a step further, why would I want anything that could cause any harm whatsoever, whether it's uh, disclosed or undisclosed? Uh, why not take the safe route? Once again, we spend a third of our life on there, and it's and it's a third of your life that you're pretty much vulnerable. The only thing that you're doing is breathing and turning. You're not a- you're not actively staying away from this, um, this article or anything like that. So uh, I will um, post the link to this interview on YouTube, everyone, and I'll be able to not only give you a direct link to the Mountaineer Organics website, but I'll also give you Joyce's phone number and email address in the subtitles. So. Joyce, thank you so much for the time this morning. A pleasure talking with you, and hopefully we can get you back on for a little bit longer and you can get into uh, a little bit more of of why the product would be beneficial for people and just um, overall health of of society. If you can lower carbon emissions, this should be right up the people's alley that that want to reduce their carbon footprint. Um, Yeah, I mean, what you're doing is, is fantastic with the rubber trees and things like that, just understanding how we have to integrate with society and that we're not here to rape and pillage the earth. We're here yeah. to work along with it. And that's, um, you know, a very, very great product. And I am very happy to have you on. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And uh, next time I'm on, I, I do want to talk about, um, you know, about all the untested chemicals that, you know, that uh, just because they, they say something safe, doesn't really mean it's safe because there's just so many out there that aren't even tested. So you really get it. It's a buyer beware. Just be real careful. Exactly what I was saying before is that, um, you know, even though it says it's quote unquote safe. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm leery. I would rather err on the side of safety. So we'll, we'll get into that next time. And, uh, yeah. and, and I'll, uh, I'll be in touch uh, relatively soon. And then hopefully we'll have some people that, uh, can call in either more testimonials or people can call in with their questions. So I'll be sure to post okay. that in the link as well. So thank you so much for the time, Miss Joyce. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. And say hello to everybody out there. I appreciate you listening today. We got it. Take care, okay, everybody. See you soon. Bye-bye. All right.
there she goes, everyone. So that is it for the show. If you are um, listening to this recorded, you can uh, catch the the full rebroadcast at wearenotcattle.net. Remember, everyone, get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It is your world. we got to make change, and the only way to do it is by action. So take care, everybody. Enjoy your weekend, and we will see you Thursday night at 9 o'clock right here. We Are Not Cattle Radio. Thanks for listening. Oh.